Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Good to have you in the booth. On a snowy Sunday, even snowier than yesterday's Monday when we started the show that way. Love the snow globe effect. Snow is awfully pretty when it falls the first time. Another couple of days and you might not enjoy it as much. But uh, neat deal. And we are right in the throes of a Central New York winter. And an off week in Orange basketball, as it turns out. Finals on campus, so the guys are focusing on that. No game in the middle of the week. Off to D.C. to play Georgetown Saturday at 1230. We'll talk about that with Lawrence Moten a little bit later in the show. Mentioned uh, the news last week that the uh, Orange are going to honor two more uniform numbers to hang in the rafters at the Dome. Dennis Duvall joined us in studio last week. He's number 22 going up January 6th when Notre Dame is in town. And uh, long overdue, number 21, Lawrence Moten, the number worn by the all-time leading scorer in the history of Big East Conference basketball. That number will be put up March 3rd when Clemson comes to the Carrier Dome and we'll visit with Poetry and Moten coming up a little bit later. When you text Lawrence Moten, it comes back. He's got like a little signature. It ends poetry. Pretty cool uh, claim to fame there. He's got a great claim to fame, all-time leading scorer in the history of the Big East. We'll talk to him about that, but then kind of the nickname and wearing it out to the nth degree, as well he should. The My noted... signature is disappointment. <laughs> well, <laughs> you pretty much grace people with that coming and going. I don't know that you really need to... Included in your text and all that. You're playing hurt today, I'm told? Yeah, I bit it in the driveway, walking the dog, fell, landed on the elbow. Literally walking the dog? Yeah, was yeah. walking the dog, slipped on ice, bounced off the car, onto the concrete, and uh, getting used to the winter. Not yeah. strong there, Polly. The elbow hurts. Probably huh? the first tough drive into work for people uh, this morning for the year, and uh, little boxes you have to check, milestones crossed over the uh, course of the winter season. Remember to pump the brakes out there, people. And if you're driving around, take your time. We'll be happy to uh, keep you company here until 3 o'clock today. And then uh, more to come throughout the week as we near the uh, Georgetown game. We'll talk to some of the folks that can shed some insight on that later this week here in the booth. In the booth is brought to you by CH Insurance, CNYRealtor.com, and Burdick Ford. Well, Paulie, we talked yesterday about uh, Christmas come early for the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton a new member of the club and the lineup that will be easy for Aaron Boone, the new manager, to fill out. And we appreciate the Padres chipping in to do their part as the Padres send the Yankees a bag of donuts in order to get Chase Headley and his $13 million contract. Makes zero sense. You don't <laughs> the Yankees need, it does. They don't need a third baseman. or They don't need a veteran right now. Don't you know, need you, a veteran, I would you, say. You need a more, veteran. More than anything. Later, he returns. A couple I, years. I'm sure Chase Headley doesn't hate it. He can go there and he won't be overshadowed. I don't think that's a big concern for Chase. But uh, winding up in San Diego uh, does not stink. Could be a whole lot worse. And uh, there, when he has a great month and a terrible month and a great month and a terrible month over the course of the season, nobody's going to notice. The tacos still taste good. That's, how, that's uh, right. The, the, the fans fish, there will 
Fish tacos. Petco well, Park. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they turn around and trade him for prospects again. Before I wouldn't. Sure. I hope he doesn't get comfortable. Well, there's probably somebody who could use a veteran corner infielder type, third baseman by trade, and a professional hitter. I'm not familiar with Jabari Blash's work. He hits bombs. He's a very, years very Yankee player. Doesn't. Sixty-one kind of- games with the Padres last year had. Uh, a two thirteen batting average and five home runs. Yeah, he uh, he's a minor leaguer that hit a lot of home runs, but that was his claim to fame. Hit the ball a thousand feet when he makes and contact. And AAA hit two eighty five with twenty home runs. Yeah, so in El Paso, he will not see the light of the lights of Yankee <laughs> he, he, Stadium. He <laughs> not being pinstripes, I don't think. I don't think uh, with the outfield that the Yankees currently have, they're going to need to avail themselves of the services of Jabari Bash. Too much, but uh, Blash, actually, not Bash. Bash would be a better name. He'd fit in better. But uh, I think this is a guy you're going to see with the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders coming to uh, Syracuse this year to play International League Baseball. He uh, did do a couple of tours of duty in uh, one of my old stomping grounds. He came up with the Mariners, so he was with the Mariners AA team in Jackson, Tennessee for parts of three seasons. God bless him. I can think of worse places to be than Jackson, Tennessee, though. I'd rather be in Jackson than Scranton, right? Uh, I don't know about that. No? <laughs> at, le- at least from Scranton, you can be in a major city in a fairly short drive. So it's in two hours from Scranton, you can be in New York. In two hours from Jackson, you can be in Little Rock. <laughs> I don't know. Weather, in three weather? hours, you can be in... Birmingham, Huntsville. No, no offense to Scranton. They gave us Jerry McNamara and they did Reagan Benjamin. No, you'd rather. Uh, I guess it depends on your personality. I mean, if you like fast food, Jackson's got them all. I'm just thinking whether I, I kind of miss the Southern fast food though that we used to have. And I mean, I can, I can picture the Chick Fil A, and then there was a Jason's Deli right there, and a lot of good stuff there but that's it's been a while there's not a lot going on in uh, jackson tennessee games aren't going to be very well attended down there but that's in his past that's in jabari blash's past he's now going to settle in and uh scranton i would think you're right not not going to be a yankee uh but uh, things are working out just well for the yankees and i know you're having a hard time figuring out the uh, padres hot stove plan the uh the yankees just basically trying to avoid the luxury tax right yes and here's what i'll say about uh jabari blash might have fit right in on the Steinbrenner. i'm just looking at his bio born july 4th the boss was born on the 4th of july so is this great country that's right george steinbrenner was a july 4th baby jabari blash was born in the u.s virgin islands which uh is a little bit of a different uh twist on that but uh good for him middle-of-the-road prospect in the Padres system, now a Yankee. I don't think we'll be doing this show in the summer, Paulie, just to be honest with you, but uh, I, I think if we did, the the daily angst of you staying up all night to watch the Padres. Padres lose is- yeah, I mean, obviously on any given day they might win, but the over the long haul, um, Do you know what I, did last I just year? don't think that's probably a lot of fun for you. Last year was the first year in probably a decade I did not pay for – the MLB TV, uh-huh. so I did not do it last year. But this year, there's there's promise. You didn't they, subject yourself to it. No, if they, I if, think it's cool. I mean, if I were you, I would do it. I mean, it's a, um, it's uh, 
a way to pass the time, feel connected to home, good way to fall asleep at night. Yeah, I recommend it to anybody that has a team yeah. that's out of market. Yeah, if you're displaced, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. And uh, But last year I couldn't do it. Going into the season there wasn't even a glimmer of hope. So I'm like, I'm saving the, the 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah, the fourteen ninety nine a month or whatever it is. I am uh, continuing to skim through Brian Hoke's column here on MLB.com about uh, what the Yankees really need, which is pitching. New York has been connected to free agents Alex Cobb, who's uh, been with the Rays, and of course C.C. Sabathia they may retain, and uh, Bob Nightingale of uh, USA Today reporting that the Yankees have shown interest in Diamondbacks left-hander Patrick Corbin, yeah. which would be very cool. He is a Cicero North Syracuse guy. And a very good pitcher. You know, yeah, so. yeah. So that would be uh, neat to have a little central New York connection to the Yankees while a budding uh, connection is building to the New York Mets as the Mets have bought the uh, Syracuse Chiefs. That'll be an odd summer this year as the uh, Chiefs operate as a Nationals affiliate in the process of being owned by the Mets, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Syracuse basketball this weekend against Georgetown. That uh, rivalry doesn't have quite the steam that it once did, but people involved in it uh, certainly are still passionate about the uh, Orange and the Hoyas, and one of those is Lawrence Moton. We'll talk with him as we continue, if you'd like to join us on the show, you can at 437-7644. That's 315-437-7644. And Paulie tells me we're on Facebook Live. Yep. ES- ESPN Syracuse on Facebook. You can watch us. You can see our ugly mugs. So get on the book, ESPN Syracuse. Search that. And hello to anybody that may be doing that. If you're doing that, why don't you shoot us a message and tell us exactly why you are and what little you have to do during the day between 2 and 3 o'clock that that feels like a quality choice of your <laughs> Entertainment you, hour. You're going to push my uh, limits of technolo- technology because I have, no I, I have no idea where to find the comments. It can't be that hard. It's Facebook. Hello, everybody out there in the Facebook world. Happy to have you along for the ride. Back with Lawrence Moton as we continue in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Eagles. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Brought to you by CNY, Realtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford. Good to have you along with us today. Headed into the Georgetown basketball game in D.C. A lot of fans looking forward to that. It'll be televised by CBS on uh, Saturday. So uh, it's the Orange and Hoyas. And a non-conference game. And Coach Bayham would be the first to say, look, non-conference games don't mean quite as much as it did when you uh, were not only battling the teams head-to-head, but in the conference standings. And they don't play quite as often, but it is certainly a matchup that is valued by both and by both fan bases. It'll be the first real opponent that Georgetown has played all year. Hoyas are unbeaten, but have played literally the easiest non-conference schedule in America. They're going for the MEAC championship at this point. Most recently took on North Carolina A&T. Anyway, back here in Syracuse, we're talking about honoring uniform numbers. Last week, uh, it was announced that two will be presented in the rafters this year at the Carrier Dome. We visited with Dennis Duvall last week. His number 22 is going up January 6th. And on March 3rd, with Clemson visiting the Dome, it'll be Lawrence Moton and number 21. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, 
glad to be a part of this, you know, uh, great accomplishment. It took a lot of hard work and dedication. I had great teammates. And uh, to see my name up in the Raptors and the Carrier Dome forever is uh, definitely a blessing. The all-time leading scorer in the history of the Big East. What a claim to fame. You know, that's kind of the the thing that is the right after the comma following your name. That's a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. Absolutely it's a cool thing. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I get back to my teammates again. You know, I came here, you know, uh, not that highly recruited. You know, a lot of people knew I was a great football player also. I was going to think about doing both. But, you know, uh, when I stepped on the floor and I, and I tell people all the time, when I come in the Carrier Dome, it's like coming in my second home. And all the people that are here, they're like my friends that I invited. Sure. You know, we asked Coach Beheim about your recruitment. And pretty light, right? Maryland came in at the end. Were you a late bloomer in high school? Uh, no, really wasn't a late bloomer. More, more of a... It was a situation where uh, the people didn't know what, what what sport I wanted to play. You know, um, a lot of people thought I was going to play football. You As know. a wide receiver? Wide receiver safety. I was kind of mad. I was. It was crazy. I loved to score touchdowns, but I loved to catch interceptions, too. You know, my senior year, 15 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So okay. You're a little light in the back end to have played safety, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hey. Did you hit? I was not a hitter. I was more of a read and react type of guy. Deion Sanders? It's called not letting anybody get behind you. I learned that from my coach. He said, one of the things playing this position, nobody behind you. Stay deep is the deepest. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you can't call him a failed defensive back, Lawrence Moten, because he <laughs> gave that up and uh, wisely so to play basketball here at Syracuse. And, Lawrence, when people think back about the career you had here at Syracuse, it's easy points. It, nothing really stood out. You played, uh, it looked like you were in slow motion. And then 18, 20. 22 points in the game. You averaged 19 points for your career. How did you contribute right away? Because now that's the expectation that freshmen are going to be great right away, but it wasn't then probably. Yeah. Well, first of all, having confidence in yourself. You know, I've always had confidence, you know, in my ability. You know, back to my high school days, I averaged 28 points. So I felt like just coming here and truly getting the, the right opportunity, uh, good things will happen. And, and uh, came here back to that orange and blue scrimmage we had and I think I scored like 40 points and uh, after that I was pretty much locked in and said I can play with these guys and just had to do what I had to do when it was time. How did you account for kind of always getting it done on a consistent level and what would what did you consider your strength because nobody rattles you off as a, a great all-time shooter or anything like that but you found a way to get in the basket yeah well well you know back to the old cliche i'm a basketball player you know who uh took took the right shot when it was needed uh got to the basket when he was needed and uh, back to basketball being 90 percent mental i pretty much thought the game i was big on anticipating and seeing it happened before it happened and uh majority of the time i was right so uh just always being in the right place uh mentally trying to stay ahead of the game uh was one of the attributes on helping me be successful lawrence moton is with us uh, his uniform number 21 will be honored at the carrier dome when syracuse hosts clemson near the end of the season march 3rd your single individual highest scoring game 36 points it is
is just barely in the top 20 individual games in the history of the program. So it's not like you had 35 and 40 point games regularly. So that means consistency really had to be your trademark that you didn't have a lot of two and five point games either uh, really over the course of your career. Uh, how much pride do you take in the, the idea that you always sort of answered? Oh, it's no question. I take pride in that. You know, uh, it's funny. I got a text yesterday from one of my friends and he, he showed I uh, played in 121 games and out of 121 games I had uh, 119 double figures and, and, and not only that uh, being an all-time leading scorer in the school's history um, playing in 121 games everybody under me played in more games than I did so uh, like I said just thank God for that you know staying focused staying hungry and and making shots when needed. You know, it's no question about it. I was, um, I, I took pride in taking that big shot. And uh, uh, one of my favorite lines that I used to love that Coach Beheim used to tell me, uh, we used to run a play. He would call the play out and one, two, three, cues. You know, these famous words, Lawrence, come here. Just get a bucket, son. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> Doesn't need to be just the way it was drawn up. Talk about consistency. Lawrence Moulton is a freshman average 18.2. The next year, 17.9. A junior year, 21.5 and in his senior year 19.6 a lot of NCAA tournament games in there and we'll talk about that uh, as well while we have you if, forget about consistency for a moment tell me about that 36 point game what do you remember about it Valentine's Day of 95 against Villanova uh, I remember it very well my grandmother was there to support me uh, who I love dearly uh, family and friends in Philadelphia and uh, you know a lot of people were talking uh, about Kerry Kittles being a great player which he was and a good friend of mine and and uh, I guess I was overshadowed, and I uh, came to play. I always came to play, no matter who it was. You know, I accepted the challenge, and um, yeah, had a great, great night that night. You know, 36 points. You know, uh, hit some big shots. But if I can remember, we didn't win that game either. So uh, um, I love to win. You know, I'm not. I don't take losing lightly. But uh, yeah, great times, man. A lot of, lot of 20s, a lot of 30s, and a lot of teens. So just remember some definitely some good times. Here and I, I truly appreciate the love that uh, the university and the community has given me. I consider Syracuse my second home. I truly do, and um, you know this is also my way of saying thank you. Yeah, and we'll get a chance to see you and your family uh, celebrate it with you here on March three at the Carrier Dome. A couple of quick ones as it relates to this year's team. You know, there's a guy like Tyus Battle who is such a consistent scorer. So you must see a little bit of uh, some in yourself. And uh, barring uh, some great gift, he's not going to be a four year player at Syracuse, but uh, he'd be the kind of guy that with his level of, of consistency and growth, it w- he's going to put up a lot of points. Absolutely. Taz has been playing very well, you know, playing within the system, and you know, at the end of the day, in order for us to be successful, uh, he has to take many shots. You know, it's plain and simple. We don't have to sugarcoat anything. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete, a, a, a great kid. I've got to know him personally with a good family background, and uh, you know, we just need him to stay aggressive. You know, as long as he stays aggressive. You know, and I'm talking about 15 to 20 shots a game. We Don't be bashful. Do not be bashful. We need him to take shots and uh, just do what you do best, you know. And he's been playing very well. The sky's the limit for him. You know, honestly, right now, you know, um, if he keeps 20, 25 points a game, you know, it's going to be hard for him to stay. But it's, it's a situation like this. Uh, I tell people, you know, um, late first or lottery next year. Yeah. So it's something for him to truly think about. Because um, you know, one of the blessings I can say about being here in Syracuse, too, is you already feel like you're a pro. Right. 
You know, this is a pro atmosphere. Coach, you know, doesn't babysit you, treats you like a professional, you know, and that's one of the attributes I always loved about being here in Syracuse. It got me prepared for the NBA and, and playing overseas. Is I already felt like a pro here. Yeah, interesting. And uh, you'll certainly be honored in that way on March 3rd at the Dome. And last thing, with the uh, Georgetown game coming up, I w- wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to ask you your recollections of the series back then. Uh, so much back and forth. Uh, the games r- roughly broke even and were so close. Four, five, six-point games on a regular basis. Yes. Uh, Georgetown-Syracuse rivalry was uh, all always strong rivalries, you know, even before my, my time, but uh, during my stage is very tough, you know, but I can honestly say 4-2 and two, ladies and gentlemen. My record is 4-2 and two against Georgetown overall. We beat them in my freshman year, the Big East Championship. Dave Johnson had the game winner over Alonzo Moore and those guys, and 4-2 uh, and two is better than 2-4, and four. so, uh, you know, uh, I'm born and raised in the D.C. area, you know, uh, that's, that's bragging rights, you know, Johnson Thompson, who I, I, I consider a great man, uh, alma mater of my high school, Archbishop Carroll, who I, I respect very dearly. And uh, I'll never forget one day, we uh, two years ago, Matt, we came down and uh, we played Syracuse, Syracuse, played Georgetown. And um, uh, Coach Thompson got a chance to be my two girls, my two daughters. And uh, he brought my two daughters to the side. He said, come here, young ladies, I got something to tell you. <laughs> so he, he brought my two daughters over. And he said, let me tell you about your father. One thing I can say about your father is he gave me many nightmares. And that was a beautiful thing to hear that from a a, a great man in John Thompson. And I appreciate that love. But uh, Lawrence Moten, he does appreciate that love from John Thompson. And uh, maybe we'll see John Thompson Jr. at uh, what's now known as Capital One Arena, the often changed uh, Verizon Center uh, in D.C., the Orange and Georgetown 1230. Lawrence Moton knows my name, Polly. What do you think about that? That's impressive. I have a very similar John Thompson story. You do? I you w- don't have daughters. I walked up to him one day and asked him to come on our pregame show, and he told me to get lost. And, <laughs> right. and then he saw Matt Rowe, and he goes, you work with Matt Rowe? He goes, let me tell you about Matt Rowe. And he came over and did that. And he eventually did it, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he did blow you off at first, though. I do remember that. I've gone re- way down this rabbit hole of uh, the baseballcube.com has apparently revamped some of these... Uh, selection tools and that type of stuff. I mean, I I can... You really want to know what somebody hit against left-handers on road Thursday games, I can come up with that for you. I'm excited. That's going to be the second half of the show. We're back with more in the booth. You on Facebook Live? Hey, if you really want to know something like that, we can look it up for you. That's what we do here. We are part of the people and uh, here to serve our listeners. Joe from behind the football helmet in the studio will be back when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. I'm a very stubborn person on a number of things in life, and I've had a lot of discussions online and in person and on the phone with several Bills fans, and you just cannot talk me into the fact that that was a good coaching decision to punt that ball. Fourth and one, your own 42-yard line. I'm sorry. The ends do not justify the means. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. 
tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care no more. Four fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars are now banned from attending games. In a news release, team officials say the group threw five objects during Sunday's game at Everbank Field against the Seattle Seahawks, just missing several Seahawks players. The team says those four fans will be banned from attending future games at the stadium, but no charges will be filed. But will there be any punishment is the question. That was a good one. Get it, Joe. The punishment is watching the Jag play. (laughs) But uh, here's a question. How do they get to know? There's 80,000 people. Like They got face recognition. I mean, yeah, it's not like the Vegas team might do that because they'll have facial recognition at the stadium or something. You know, I'm sure they can put their names on file, et cetera, but obviously these guys can get tickets other ways and get in. But if you're that adamant about going to a Jacksonville Jaguar game, then we have uh, issues. But you're also a complete loser. Yesterday we got into the tools that call golf tournaments about rules violations. If you are at a profession, any sporting event, but you are trying to either challenge physically a professional football player or you're throwing beer or snowballs or any of that from your stands, uh, your seat onto the field, you are a complete loser. And uh, for that matter, so was the Seahawks guy that started, you know, from the field like he was going to go up and uh, beat on a fan. That's not a whole lot better, but uh, I can't imagine why you possibly, what would possess you to throw stuff at a player and think you can get away with it. One of the hosts on this show has a lifetime ban from a from Claire's Boutique. You know those stores and malls? Uh, like, where, uh, where you uh, earrings? earrings and yeah. stuff? Yeah, one of the hosts. He, he, I'll let him explain that some other time, but he uh, he has a lifetime ban. Are you talking ban. about yourself in third person no, now? Or, no, I'm not. Or did Joe do something really creepy I, at a... No, it wasn't anybody here, but one of the hosts on this radio oh. station. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, there's only three of us in the yeah. room. No, I, I one know, of, one of the hosts on ESPN has a, uh, yeah. has a lifetime ban. Does his first name rhyme with Mosh? <laughs> yes. Right, that's what I thought. <laughs> it's not easy to get the lifetime ban. And how would you know? And aren't those um, those are like kiosks in the mall, right? Can he walk just walk by one? Does it beep? Or? No, they're they're full stores because okay. you can get your girls get their knickknacks and their earrings and their. Which Hello begs Kitty. the question: Why was Mosh there? <laughs> Hello Kitty purse. I don't know. <laughs> A lot of questions. Uh, Leangelo and Lamelo Ball have both signed one year deals to play pro ball in Lithuania. The team is hoping the brothers and their dad, LeVar, will bring a lot of attention to the club. Yeah, all kinds of disgusting. He's disgusting. Uh, taking these two, you know, the older one, Jello, they call him, uh, has no options. He's walked away from UCLA, isn't going to play in the States. He might as well go try to play pro ball somewhere and stick at it. And maybe he makes a great life for himself in Lithuania or, or somewhere else uh, overseas. But he's not a good enough player, probably, to even be a decent college player, let alone NBA, and then who you really feel for is Lamelo Ball, who's 16 years old. The kid's in high school. You're dropping him with his 19 year old brother in freaking Lithuania, uh, leaving Los Angeles for uh, my friend Andrew Siciliano, who happens to live in Los Angeles, says uh, they just got moved to the 35th largest city in Lithuania. Uh, what a disaster that is! And uh, th- we're going to be following this for years. I don't, I don't know that they're just going to fall off the map because you know. Lonzo is going to have a 10-year NBA career one way or another, either really good or or just okay. And so there'll be some sort of relevance or name recognition uh, for these guys. And uh, 
can't imagine this works out well. That knocks Lamelo out of college, right? You yes. Know, once you sign a pro deal, you can't play college ball. So yeah, that's ruined ruined him. And he, he, from all accounts, is a better prospect than the middle brother, uh, Leangelo. But uh, it, it, I'm sure they're playing the long game and they want to sell sneakers and do it around the world and and whatever. But uh, and I want to preface this, and I think I have when we've been talking about the balls. I'm not a parent. It's not for me to tell other people how to parent their children. I just think that this, as a basketball play or a business play, is uh, a very, very long shot at best. The the sneaker market in Lithuania is huge, though. Yeah, yeah, big into the sneaks. And police departments in the St. Louis area using social media to fight crime. Cops have been using Twitter and Facebook to post sarcastic and funny references to find real criminals. In one post, police ask about a suspect wearing jorts. Why do we think that's necessary? That's because that's how you know people spend a lot of time on their their phones, and that's the way to connect them. So, if you make a funny, then they're gonna yeah more be more likely to more interact. Likely people or, will share it and retweet it out. Yeah, I could see that. Comment, comment. Yeah, well, there's some Facebook livers up there watching us right now. So, bunch of criminals. Maybe they can start fighting crime. They're watching you two and a helmet that may or may not be talking. <laughs> right. You can put that on. <laughs> um, maybe I will tomorrow. I have tomorrow. one that I do care about. Paulie made a big deal about attempting a funny joke yesterday that that fell flat. It was which, actually funny, which, which funnier one? on Twitter than than at the, the time. The Yanni, Yanni, that just it just it missed for me, Paulie. But then you do have funny lines during the commercials of this show that are not on the air. That's that's what I have a problem with. I try. I mean, you really only have maybe one or two legitimately funny things to say during the day. <laughs> you may as well try to save them for when they can be consumed by the public. I thought that yesterday I also cracked the joke that the Dolphins would have more time to register to vote in the offseason because they have a longer offseason yeah. than other teams. Yeah, the playoffs would be even more to the point and probably funnier. But okay. But then they won last night. They showed you. Yes. They voted you off the island. I'm Thank trying you, to hide Joe. myself even further. Dewey Karras <laughs> yeah, please do. is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. All right, go find Kramer. <laughs> Back with more, including the effervescent Bill Belichick as we continue in the booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Orange Women off to Myrtle Beach Sunday at 6.30 versus Coastal Carolina. Orange pregame, 6.15. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, and with you here for another few minutes till the top of the hour. Back tomorrow as well, Thursday on the show too. Looking ahead to the uh, Georgetown matchup, the Orange at 12.30 Saturday. Take on the Hoyas. Then it's uh, back here for two important upstate New York matchups as the Orange meet uh, Buffalo and St. Bonaventure, two teams that have had decent starts to the season. Paulie, give me any player, any split. You know, you want to know, this is like a new toy that I just got for Christmas here. The baseball cube stepping it up. So, you want to know what Jan Hervis Salarte hit against left-handers on Wednesdays? Aaron Judge did on Sundays, Sunday uh, night games. Okay, we can we can come up with that. Might take me a minute though. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, we did have for for the people the uh, I could have told you Giancarlo Stanton. I was right there on him, but now we'll go to uh, Aaron Judge. We did that for people's uh, entertainment. The I just cannot get over the Bill Belichick 
media uh, disposition and how awkward it was last night. Obviously, it's an embarrassing loss in a way for New England as they get handcuffed by a team that they're better than and they go on the road losing last night. Turned out to be just a seven-point game. I felt watching it, boy, you give Brady a little time here and they're right there. They may come back even from uh, 17 down to uh, make something happen, but uh, they felt uh, just short. Apparently had an onside kick that was not successful, and that was part of the discussion here with uh, with Bill Belichick following the game. But it's so tough for these reporters. Uh, he's the greatest coach ever, acts like he invented the game, and gets so put out by what are seemingly reasonable questions, or I would put it this way, even if the questions aren't reasonable, and every coach in America deals with reasonable and unreasonable questions, you're paid a lot of money to do it. Just suck it up and give the answer. You know, I don't think, and I think Coach Beheim has a pretty good outlook on that. You better have a, a, you know, he's going to expose people that do not come with their stuff together when it comes to asking those types of questions. But at the end of the day, everybody knows that their wheels are greased by just get it done. Do what you need to do. I'll do what I need to do. Answer the questions, and away we go. By the way, Sunday night games for the Yankees last year, Aaron Judge was a two for 11 with one home run. I want to face him on Sunday nights. Yeah, well, he's going to be in a lot of Sunday night games, and John and Susan will be complaining about that because the Yankees will be in every possible primetime game they can be because they're going to be great television. They'll also be very long games because it's going to be home runs and strikeouts and pitching changes etc. Um, coming up. So here's Bill Belichick from last night. The first question was unintelligible, so we will skip the question itself, but he was asked at first if he felt like his team was looking past the Dolphins. By the way, this is a question that all coaches are going to get defensive about to begin with, but that his uh, team was looking past the Dolphins because of their big matchup with the Steelers next weekend. That is no, give me a break. Then awkward silence. Any questions about the game or not? Then the poking the bear. Third down, they struggled. 0 for 11. First 0 for since the Coach Mack era, 91. He shrugged his shoulders. Can you put your hand? Any particular reason why there seems to be continuous struggles every year you come down here? It's four out of five years now you've lost down here. And I'm not hearing anything why it's why here such a struggle. All right, hold it there, Polly. Fairly legitimate question. Okay, the Patriots have been better than the Dolphins virtually every week of the last five years. And yeah, it's hard to win on the road, but the Patriots have also been an historically good road team. They'd won 18 games in a row on the road until last night, which is the best road streak ever outside of when the 49ers were really rolling in the late 80s. Hey, you lost four of the last five times in Miami, uh, every time being the better team. Pretty reasonable question. Now, I don't know that there's any way that he really can answer that. What's he going to say? Yeah, we take them lightly. Yeah, uh, we don't play well in good weather. Our players party instead of play hard. I don't I don't think there's any way he can uh, answer that acceptably, but it is Worth asking. Were you here last year? Well, last year you lost the previous yeah, game. So, look, every game's its own game, okay? I mean, I don't think what happened five years ago has anything to do with tonight. 
Is the media scared of him? Which is kind of, of course they are. With, pause again. So that is, that's a true thing, by the way. Certainly in college sports, that's true. Like when we talk about series history in college sports, it really only has to anything to do with the relative strength. Okay. Um, you could say, if you look at Syracuse and Georgetown, their relative strength ought to be about the same. Syracuse a little bit higher. They've been in a, a better conference uh, for most of that time and have won more of the games head-to-head. But Georgetown had its day where it was a better program uh, than Syracuse. And overall, it's pretty even. Syracuse has pulled away uh, here in recent years. The Syracuse-Colgate series or Cornell or, for that matter, Buffalo or St. Bonaventure, et cetera, it just shows that over time the relative strength of the Syracuse program is higher than that of of those opponents. And generally speaking, they've got better players and have a higher-profile program and should win the games. In but in college sports, the rosters turn over every four years, of course, at minimum. So absolutely, a, a game five years ago has no impact on this game. Well, in the pros, I understand the rosters still turn over a little bit. But in the pros, yeah, you know what? There is something to it, especially in a shorter term, a two- or three- or four-year run, in this case a five-year run. The Patriots didn't lose last night's game because they lost five years ago uh, to the Dolphins. But the fact that a lot of this core of same guys – has lost four to five trips to Miami is relevant. And again, while Belichick probably doesn't have an answer for it, he really shouldn't be blown off the question. I have a question, Coach. Um, can you explain the onside kick? What happened there? With that kick? They recovered it. Matter of fact, there. The media is obviously afraid of him. You can hear him clearing his throat before he asks the question. And there we go. In these pro sports, the media availabilities are mandated, right? You have to make yourself available X number of times per week and for a certain length of time. The uh, football, baseball, basketball writers associations uh, will all go crying to the principal if if you don't heed those. So the coaches are bound to doing that. That's why Greg Popovich doesn't – completely blow off as in be absent for the interview there at the third quarter, but he has no interest in doing it. So he just dismisses most of the questions and, and moves on. So that's kind of what you get in the uh, push and pull between the media's agenda and the coach's agenda. Bill Belichick wants to get out of there. doesn't want to be accountable, knows he's the best coach that maybe has ever been. He wants to review the film and in his words, get on to Pittsburgh, which will be a great game uh, this weekend, by the way. But uh, I, I just feel for the reporters that are in that situation because they all want to try to get something out of it. It's a major market. You've got people that have climbed their professional ladders to be at the Boston Globe and the Boston paper, you know, the Boston uh, TV stations and radio stations, et cetera. It's a great sports market. They're going to talk a lot about the game. They can't just stick their microphone out and hey, coach, your thoughts, or you know, get away with some of the stuff you can in other places. And uh, it's just pulling teeth to get anything out of uh, Belichick makes it harder on everybody than need be. But uh, you can understand why somebody would not be in a good mood when uh, coming to a loss like that. You just kind of wish he would uh, approach it differently. does make it uh, good theater for the rest of us. I just got one warning for people not buying Patriots or Steelers this year. The AFC is terrible. 
Uh, so you don't think either has enough to get there? No, I well one one of those two maybe Jacksonville will get there, yeah. but but I wouldn't take them in the Super Bowl this year. I think I'm kind of rooting for. Uh, I could you know I think I'd get a kick out of uh, seeing the Jaguars and Doug Marone make a run in the playoffs. I do, as you know, uh, live vicariously through you and Coach Sadlin when we travel uh, here in the basketball uh, season to uh, maybe watch a playoff game on the road. It'd be a lot of fun if uh, that lined up and we all got together last year to watch the Steelers in the AFC championship game and uh if that presents itself again it could be a good time but uh looks like the better team you know now you say the better teams are in the NFC but the Eagles with the news yesterday of Carson Wentz being out for the year really changes that I think the Saints are pretty good yeah, Vikings Saints are, are pretty good. good yep Rams are pretty good Rams are very good yeah so uh, Rams play the Seahawks this week, right? Vikings have Packers got this Aaron Rodgers guy coming back, right? So, right, will it be enough for them uh, for the stretch run of the season? Remains to be seen. Anyway, we are back here tomorrow. Hope to have uh, you along with us tomorrow at two o'clock and see everybody there on Facebook. We'll uh, maybe at some point stop ignoring you and maybe work you into the show up there. We invite the rest of you to subscribe to uh, ESPN Syracuse on iTunes and Google Play. Receive the daily podcast of Orange Nation in the booth and the Daniel Baldwin show as well as On the Block. That's all available on iTunes, sent right to your phone. For Polly and Joe, I'm Matt saying so long. You've been in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.